Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning once again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and it's another week of American Tennis. And thanks so much for listening every week on the UR Tennis Network. Actually, folks, we wanted to thank Jason Haynes for his uh, startup of the UR Tennis program. And listen, it's been five years already. Can you believe that? It's been five years since we've been doing the UR Tennis. And uh, thank you, J.P. Weber, for the We Coach Tennis program taking, taking it on. And uh, I want to remind you that every week on Tuesday, you have the Parenting Aces program, and, uh, oh, golly, every week Lisa Stone will bring you the latest things there, and we have the uh, folks on Thursday at 5.30, you have John Denise's uh, Florida Connection program. But I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. We're in our fifth year here with American Tennis, and every week we come to you, and we always say, uh, with the theme of American tennis is to stand up, speak out, say those things that you want to say. And daggone it, folks, we have a great platform to do that with this and other blog talk radio programs. But uh, in America, we have freedom of speech, and we need you to stand up and speak out. There's so much going on. And, and folks, most of it starts with what's been going on in a negative way with our American youth and not training our kids and bringing them up the way we need to to be tough enough for what uh, what's coming their way. We had a, uh, the other day we had a meeting and I, I, I raised my hand and I said, look, we, we need to keep uh, from making our kids into hothouse flowers. In other words, with such a controlled environment all the time and, and most of the time when they learn, they learn through adversity. And by the way, they learn by the pain. 
look, pain and pleasure. We've talked about the three P's of coaching so many times. Peers, pain, pleasure. Surround your kids with the right people. Pain when they don't do the right thing and reward or pleasure when they do do the right thing. And Folks, go last week to our uh, mentoring program that we had on the American Tennis Program, and we sort of spelled this out in uh, many, many ways. But the three-tier mentoring program was last week. But we always say, too, our, our, uh, the saying I love is, all that it takes for evil to prosper is for our good men, good people to do nothing. And our job, according to Edmund Burke, is to stand up and speak out. And what an exciting day. And, folks, I realize you should never get political. Whenever you do something in the public, there are so many people out there that believe one way or another, but we all want the same thing. We want excellence. We want excellence. Our country is going to come together now. I promise you our country is going to come together, but we need to come together in tennis. We have not done the job. It's been 15 years since we've had a Grand Slam champion. That's four times per year. That's 60 tries, one champion for the United States of America. What or what the heck is going on? 20 years if you take out Andy Roddick before that, I think 20 years it's been. That's 80 tries. Now, look, it's for Serena and Venus, and, and God bless them for what they've done as far as being champions, but it's been 20 years since Lindsey Davenport won. That's 80 tries. So we need to come together. We need to step up, speak out and do those things we need to. Every week on American Tennis, we have a different program. And today, we have a fantastic program. Folks, I am, I, I'm getting to love so much about other sports. Tennis has is, is always been a love. I grew up, I would play football for five years until junior high. I played basketball all the way through up until co- high school. One year in college, and then I was a runner. I did all that stuff. Tennis I love because it teaches you everything. It teaches you everything simultaneously. You've got to think on your feet. You've got to do the right thing. There's no waiting around. And if you don't deal on, you get dealt upon. You take a whipping in tennis really quick if you don't do the right things. I love the sport as a combatant, but as a teaching tool. And as it's the most beautiful art form out there as well. Everything you learn from it. But, folks, I have uh, got my kids into – I've taught them tennis. Come on. I'm going to. I'm going to teach them tennis. I love the sport. But also, my daughter's fallen in love with swimming, you know, and a lot has to do with just having a fantastic coach and being around fantastic people. And and I just love what's going on with her. My son is into baseball, and I love what's going on with him. I love the kids he's around. I became such a big Cubs fan this year, and what what a, what a great, great time we had watching the ball games together. Every night, Papa, MLB, Papa, MLB tonight, Papa, Papa, watch MLB. Every night, loves it. But I uh, was thinking that, folks, we need our kids to cross-train a lot. We won tennis champions. And I uh, have taken the liberty to call upon uh, my daughter's swim coach and a, and a fantastic man, Mr. Chip Keller, uh, to come onto the show today and talk. And we wanted to talk about the, the similarities, uh, you know, in, in training athletes, especially in individual sports, and also some of the things that you go through with kids and 
some of the things you deal with with parents and some of the things. And, and folks, it, 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 it's going to be a great show. But I want to introduce uh, uh, Mr. Chip Keller. Uh, Coach, are, are you on the line there? I, you got me? I am on the line, Coach. Thank you very much. And I got Coach Chip Keller on the line. And, Coach, you've been coaching over 10 years now uh, with the swimming. But I I can't thank you enough. I see the 5 a.m. mornings. I see the hundreds of hours you spend with kids. I love talking to you about your insights into kids and what's going on. And all I keep thinking about is the similarities of that individual sport and then tennis. And, I, you know, I, I take a lot of your ideas also. The thing I love about swimming is that you have an accurate barometer. And I've been working very, very hard to come up with an accurate barometer for tennis instead of just saying, hey, I beat so-and-so, I beat so-and-so, I lost. Well, those three so-and-sos, there was, they weren't the same person every day. So I'm, I've, I've even come up with some games. I got a, I got a thing called man-in-the-mirror game. And, I, folks, I'll share that with you sometime. But, but Chip, thanks, first of all, for what you do. And um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. So, but, but thank you. Could you just talk a little bit about the work you do off the top of your head, and then we'll go. I've got a bunch of questions to ask you. Thanks for being on. Yeah, Coach. Um, my name is Chip Keller. I've got 10 years of coaching experience, and I would suggest another 15 years of individual training. Um, Swimming is a very unique sport. It, uh, it's individual. You have to you have to put the work in. And over the years of watching, um, I've changed my coaching stance basically on how I coach, where I see other coaches coach. Um, when I left swimming as an individual, this is a funny story. I I said I would never get back in that pool. Um, staring at a black line for 60,000 meters a week, it, I was done. And my kids found swimming. <laughs> I um, never once thought I would coach swimming ever. Um, my sister, she swam and went right into coaching. She coached out at Stanford for Olympic development every summer. They would do a, Olympic camps for rising Olympic swimmers worldwide. And every year, she offered me, Chip, come out to Stanford with me. You can coach with me. They want you to come out, and I would turn it down. And the old cliche, you kick yourself one day for not taking that opportunity. Um, once my kids found swimming, I got the goggles back out and got back into the pool and fell in love with it, absolutely fell in love with coaching. Um, what I found with, with swimming is, Coaches just blow a whistle um, and don't keep the kids interested. So in my coaching experience of what I've done and what I've learned is you have to change it up. You've got to incorporate different sports into your swimming. Um, we use a lot of what is called dry land, uh, a lot of running in the pool. I incorporate weights. I incorporate games. I do different times. We I always keep the swimmers on their toes so they don't get bored with the sport real quick. And that was one of the problems. Um, but, yeah, I just absolutely love it. What questions I, do you got, Coach? No, no, I, I got a bunch, but the first thing that pops out, I mean, come on. 
60,000 meters a week. Folks, you tennis people out there, coaches, do you understand what we're doing? We're pulling kids off the court when they play two matches a day because of our consultants and our lawyers and all these people. And, well, I don't know whether you coach when you have kids get into swimming and you you have to do what you got to do there, but you have to sign a release or something. Our parents don't complain. But that's the first thing I noticed about my daughter. I saw her get in the pool at 5.30 in the morning, 6.30, and she had swam. I mean, she was when she was nine, she was swimming like 30 laps. I go, whoa, wait a minute. We're leaving tennis in the dust. Talk about that simple 60,000 meters and the training that swimmers do. Can you talk about that a minute? Yeah. Um, I'll give you a comparison. Uh, Michael Phelps, when Michael Phelps never trained truly trained for the Olympics until the recent Olympics that just came up. When he was training for the prior Olympics he was in, he was doing 80,000 meters minimum. But he wasn't training. He was just what I call going through the motions. And he would disappear for a week. And this is all written down through ESPN magazine. Um, but to do, let's just say, 60,000 meters, our practices in the summer when we were kids, and I started this when I was 10. You were at the pool at 5 a.m., got out of the pool at 7 or 7.30 a.m. You went back to the pool at 12, got out at 2 or 2.30. Went back to the pool at 6, got out of the pool at 8 or 8.30. That was one day. You did that five days a week. And then on Saturdays, we practiced from 8 to 12.30. And Sundays, you were off. Um, the only times you really had office when you didn't have a meet. And you would usually do one, maybe two meets a month. So you'd get about two Sundays off. Um, and that would push roughly 60, sometimes 70,000 meters. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's laughable. It's laughable. You tennis people out there, do you hear this? Do you hear this? It's laughable. You know, now, Coach, I, I in the lead-in, I talked about how long it's been since we've had a Grand Slam champion. We're the greatest country in the world. I mean, last night proved that. I mean, it's unbelievable that we have a country where the people run the country. And and we have a country where excellence is created not by a system, by but by incentives, folks, by incentives. But our – and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, Coach Chip, but – the consultants are absolute. USTA, do you hear me? These guys, these consultants are screwing everything up. You've got to dump these guys. Some of you step up and make some decisions and dump these consultants because these consultants, Coach Chip, they'll come in and say, oh, well, I've got a theory that if you play more than two matches, the kids will get burnt out. And, you know, I, you know. And, and kids don't burn out unless they're losing a bunch. By you know, kids don't burn out if they love the sport. But you're saying sixty thousand meters, and and we we really are cheating our kids. I, I just think of the extra things my daughter getting from it. But uh, anyhow, coach, that's amazing. Has has anybody in swimming come back and said you're training too hard? We're doing too much. Have they tried to put the brakes on a lot? I mean, with the consultants and the lawyers and the parents and everything? Um, nobody's ever said that to me. 
and Coach, I'll tell you that one of the things I do, it did burn me out um, because back then they thought, you know, just keep swimming. You're going to get better. Well, I, I really, after looking back at it, I created a phrase, and you can use this in any sport, but the phrase I use and with swimmers that I coach, uh, including my daughter, it's you can go to swim practice and go through the motions, or you can go to practice swim, meaning learn and get better. Um, and that all falls on your coaching. If you know when you're when you're coaching these kids, you got to realize you know we just swam 2,500 meters. Their the attention span is gone. They're just like I'm just going yeah, through the motions. I'll get in the pool with them. I change it up. I'll throw a couple curveballs at them. Some are good, some are bad. But it keeps them on their toes, and they realize real quick they've done a lot more than had I just said, go ahead and swim 200 laps, and when you're done, let's get out. Whereas they swam but 300 I agree laps. With you. I, I just had a young man in my office here, and he really, uh, when I recruited him, he said, look, Coach, I want to be a pro. That's why I came. I know you'll train hard, train us hard. And I said, I, I said to him, Chip, and it, it refers to what you're saying. I said, what makes you a pro? That you make money? Oh, oh I graduated. Now I'm going to play pro. No, no, you can be a pro today. There's a difference, I told him, between working out, hanging out, and training yeah, I mean, you could you could play tennis every day of your life and never be a tennis player. I think what you're saying, you could get in the water and go through the motions every day of your life and never be a swimmer. You know, uh, and, and you can play you can play the piano every day of your life and never be a musician. So, uh, you know, the point is, is as a coach, you're saying that, yeah, you do mix that. You get to work in with the kids, but you've got to engage the mind as well. And talk to us about that. Because you said you referred to looking at the bottom of the pool. Some of the kids say, oh, tennis gets boring. I just hit the ball over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, talk about, as a coach, the things, I mean, what you might do to keep kids when they're working. Keep them working hard without them, and I hate that phrase, burn. But at the same time, keep. how do you – make the transformation to somebody that goes swimming to being a swimmer? That's what the question would be, I guess. Um, there's a lot of things I incorporate in swimming, and this is, you know, if you're not a swimmer, this might not, you might not understand it, but there's a black line that you basically swim in a circle around it. And I called it after a while as I was training, you get this thing called black line syndrome. You just stare at that line. And when you're in the pool, you can't hear anything. You, you, your mind kind of goes all over the place. And, you know, as far as coaching, I understand that. So in order to get, keep them on their toes and into the sport, you have to give them different things to worry about and think about, knowing that whatever you're handing them, and I'll give you an example, I use fins and paddles, and paddles are hand, you put them on your hands, it makes you harder to pull. Fins will make you go faster. But, you know, a lot of coaches will say, well, you're cheating the system giving them fins. And you're, you're not cheating the system because, number one, to get those fins going, you're working harder on your legs. Number two, these kids who are younger, who want to get better, want to get faster, they feel like they're flying in the water. They feel like they're really moving fast. So 
psychologically, if they swim without fins their first 30 minutes, and I say, okay, put your fins on, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, I'm really moving. Well, then I incorporate a clock, which, you know, you cannot use in tennis because the clock doesn't mean much, but in swimming, the clock is everything. That's your opponent. And uh, so I'll start timing them with their fins on, and I time them with their fins off. So they get these faster times, and if you're competitive and you want to get better, and I'm like, oh, look at that, you just slam a 20, where without fins you slam a 30, all of a sudden their mindset being competitive, they're like, well, I can swim a 19, and and I'm pushing you to swim an 18. So right there, you have grasped their mental aspect of the sport as far as being competitive for at least 20 or 30 minutes. And I use those fins all the time. I think it's a great thing. It makes kids feel better about themselves, better about the sport. And it changes it up a little bit. Where if you have some coaches who will say, all right, go ahead, I want you to do 10 400s. You know, the, the kids look at the coach with what I call poo face. They, they, don't want to, they don't want to do it. They get a big frown and they know they're getting ready to swim 4,000 meters, which is, you know, the equivalent to almost two miles. Well, actually, two and a half miles. And they don't want to do it. They're like, this is going to be crazy, boring, long. I'm going to hurt. Nothing's fun about it, you know. And when you put those different little aspects and the techniques and tools in the play, they work harder. And when they're done, they do swim that 4,000 meters, but you never told them that. You don't tell them up front. You just keep pushing them in that direction, knowing in your head what you want to accomplish. I don't give them a sheet on exactly what they're going to swim because there's nothing worse than looking at a 6,000-meter workout and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, oh, well, yeah. how, do, how do I get the, this journey going? And, and, Coach, this really interesting point you've made there. Uh, one time I asked a golf coach at Clemson, a guy named Larry Penley, was a, he's a great golf coach. He's coached so many champions, and Lucas Glover, U.S. Open champion, to speak uh, of one of them. But I, I asked him, I said, when I first took up golf a little bit, 30, 20, 30 years ago, I go, Larry, every time you get stuck, I don't care if you're an 85 golfer, you could shoot a 35 on the front nine, you're going to find a way to shoot a 50 on the back nine. Is that 85? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was just doing my math. 85. And I said, you know, <clears throat> you know, you do great. And then you just find your level there. Now, this is interesting. He said, Chuck, we do a couple things. He says, a lot of times we'll play from the old man tees or the women's tees and get our guys used to shooting in the low 60s from those tees. You know, and, and so association breeds assimilation. Or you basically get comfortable with that which is uncomfortable. So you're saying... And sometimes you do, and in tennis I do the same thing. I, I, you know, if a guy's down on his confidence, I'll make sure that he gets the reps at winning. I'll make sure that he's get. Rep. I do this overload stuff uh, all the time, both ways, where things are way harder. But then also, I'll put a platform out for them to serve off of, to where they can have a dominant serve and feel it like that. So, yeah, I mean that's just tremendous coaching there. Um, you know, I, I had a question here, re- real quick, if I could. But, um, you know, 
you made an interesting comment at one of my daughter's uh, swim meets, and um, I have often said on this show that I wished we had an accurate barometer in tennis to show where you are at. In other words, uh, a lot of people know where they want to go, Coach Chip, uh, but not many people know where they're at because they judge their wins and losses uh, as as a constant. Well, they're very much variables. One time I called home and I asked my wife, I go, how my daughter, how'd she do? And, and, and my wife goes, uh, she won her heat. I go, oh, great. And she said, no. She was five seconds slower than her regular. I go, oh, okay, just like that. But you made a comment one time that that accurate barometer sometimes is a disadvantage as well. Could you explain that? I, I don't quite understand that. Could you talk about that? Yeah, they, um, in swimming, you know, you have, you know, you can break it down. They break it down age groups, male, female. They'll swim with each other. And then they break it down to, um, you know, individuals. And in swimming, you're on your own. You know, you might swim for a team for points, which is great. But at the bottom of the line, end of the day, you have times. And for an example, in high school, they have state cut times. So, you know, when you start your training, and one thing that, you know, when I've worked with your daughter, we'll start our goals six to eight months out. And then we'll have, you know, every goal that, I have kids right now, they have to write three mini goals to achieve that goal. And in swimming, it's a time, you know. And just because the state time is 20 seconds, you know, you don't have to have that as your goal. You want to get goals that are attainable. Not attainable yesterday. You're going to have to work to get them. So once you get that goal, you might lose your heat and come in dead last. But you look at the clock and you dropped your time by two seconds, not only did you win the heat, you won for yourself. And that's, that's one of the barometers that, you know, in swimming it's just time. So, you know, it's great when you win a heat and you'll get the kids that are swimming in the summer and they just won, they're happy, and that's great. And we push forward and we praise them and tell them how great everything was. And then you'll get the competitive swimmers who want to get better and the ones that want to get better, the first thing they'll ask when they get out of the pool is, what was my time? And they know right then. And when you get to a point in swimming where you, your goal was 30 seconds and you hit 29 and you make that new goal at 27 seconds, you hit what I call a glass ceiling. And all of a sudden, for two months, you're still stuck at 29. You can't figure out how to get it. And coach, the only way to get from 29 to 27 is work ethic. You have to do a gut check in the pool, and when it hurts, you got to push yourself harder. you got to feel that pain, and it's a positive pain. A lot of kids think that if I feel that pain, it hurts, and I don't want to push through it. In order to get better in any sport, you have to push through it. And I and that is probably my biggest thing when I'm coaching is push through the pain because you push through it once, coach, you push through it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, I okay. 
you're hitting it exactly what I want to talk about. About you brought up summer swimming versus swimming. I I told parents and coaches or players often. I said there's three kinds of coaching. You got resort coaching where you go, oh, Mrs. Jones, would you not like a new racket from the pro shop? And hey, we got the dress. And hey, Billy, how are you? To country club coaching where you just basically. Okay, Billy, go run five laps and work up a sweat. And I said, then there's coaching. And I often tell kids, look, if you don't want the real coaching, go over there to the country club area there. And no offense, country club people, but coaching, I said, you're going to get coaching here. You talked about coaching versus the summer swim, and, and basically I call it the dumbing down. So when we come back, from our break, Coach, I want to want to talk about and go there about how we might be dumbing down our sports and our kids. We'll be right back with Coach Jeff Reese. Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Pine Forest Country Club, and 
um, you get all, all grades of swimmers. You get the kids who, you know, I had a few kids who were 10, 11, 12, couldn't swim. I mean, literally could barely get down the pool in one lap. And you get kids who are 8 and 9 who will, you know, get after it for as long as you tell them. You know, you get all ranges. Um, summer swim is it's fun. It's a fun league. It's designed for kids to be able to do things with other kids and their peers and get out, learn a sport, uh, learn how to be competitive, learn how to have fun, and that is a, my main goal with them is, you know, as long as you're having fun, we're, we're, we're doing our, what we're supposed to be doing. But at the same time, Coach, you, you want them to learn, and, you know, you're going to get a handful of those kids who come up to you and say, well, I want to get better. And uh, okay, you know, like, did you have? Uh, and I've witnessed. And by the way, my daughter was introduced to swimming three summers ago. Coach, she had problems with her hip alignment, and uh, trainers. Oh my gosh, were we nervous? We didn't know what was going on. But basically, the the trainer said uh, get her in swimming, and we did in summer swim. And a lot, she was motivated by the children around her that she became friends with by your coaching and by your assistance coaching and, and everything that went on. And I, the, the reason I'm bringing this up, we have a thing in tennis. Our number one thing, USTA, please, 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 please separate participation tennis from tournament and performance to high performance tennis. Please get the participation adult leagues Weekend Warrior Leagues, Fun and Gun Tennis, the team stuff, all of that participation stuff you do with the dumb-down scoring, the no-ad scoring, and all these things. Just separate them. If you just separate them, we'd be fine. So it has a purpose, like Summer Swim is the participation swimming. And uh, sorry to jump in there, Coach. Go ahead. It's for kids who, you know, you're exactly right, who want to participate. And, you know, as coaches, I have to change my coaching stance on when I go to coach kids in summer league as I do, I coach in the winter with kids who they want to get after it. You know, they, they want to attain goals. They don't want to just come to the pool and goof around and, you know, talk to kids and not do what they're supposed to. It's um, it's a different aspect, and you're 100% right. There's two different types of swimming. And, you know, summer league, it's, it's great. But at the end of it, you know, honestly, it all comes down to the final meet where, you know, we only send a handful of kids and it's your best kids. And it, it's sad because, you know, you have some kids who really want to get better and work hard all year, and they don't make it. And uh, that's just part of the deal. And when you get to that aspect, you know, I know you mentioned it, but you get the parents in there and the parents involved. And um, summer swim is very different from other swimming where I have what they call, and this is in all aspects of sports, helicopter parents, that uh, they hover over the pool at every practice. And, you know, some are there just to watch. Some are there they want to find out what's going on. And, you know, as a coach, you're there to coach. You're not there to communicate with them what's going on. Um, but that, that, yeah, that just makes it, it makes it totally different. Um, summer swim, getting kids motivated. You got to play games with them. You don't do nearly the 
the majors that you would as far as a winter swimmer. Um, because that's not why they're there. They're there to have fun. And that, that's just the bottom yeah, line. And, and to be fair, Coach, and to be fair, my daughter having that fun, getting into it through a participation activity, led to her saying, hey, I'm going to be better. She showed a little bit of progress. And uh, we were fortunate that you were skilled enough to take on and, and do the more serious. And she understands completely. And I was able to get her in a uh, training program when we visited down in Florida for a brief time. And she see, she saw the very top swimmers in the country. And, folks, this exposure for her, she came back with a different mindset completely. I mean, it, it in so I always talk about scheduling up, scheduling down, and even. One-third, one-third, one-third. One-third, make sure your kids do stuff that they can conquer and they're successful. One-third, get them in over their head once uh, every two months or something, every three months. Then they'll be at the level also. Uh, Coach, we have a problem in tennis in America. We have 350,000 tennis players participating but we only have 17,000 competitive players. That Now, high school coaches, look, 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 don't get upset. These are the statistics. Out of the 35, 350,000 kids we have playing, we only have 17,000 play competitively in the summer. That's only seven out of 100. So we're not – high school tennis has become an after-school activity, not a rigorous sport. Um, in swimming in high school, and because of all the AAU leagues, I don't know if AAU, that's basketball, I guess, but the summer leagues, the different leagues, how would you say what direction is swimming going in? I know they're dropping, just like tennis, they're dropping a lot of the college programs. Could you give people sort of a look of how the progression would be to use summer swim to competitive swim to maybe high school to maybe going on to college? What would be the stair steps? Well, a lot of you know, a lot of your top high school swimmers don't even swim high school. I mean, they're they're traveling. Um, you know, fortunately for us with our past Olympics, you know, swimming is going to take a huge jump this year. Probably already has. Um, you'll see the stats come out probably next year. But um, you know, the, the, the biggest problem after that is you only have a handful of top-notch college programs that are keeping their programs alive. And you have swimmers coming from all over the country. Um, in the SEC over the Olympics, now these are swimmers that swim for Southeastern Conference. I think there were 56 medalists that came out of the SEC alone. So that just kind of shows you where what direction it's going. It, it, all your, your heavy hitters, your big schools are the ones keeping it. And then after that, if you want to get a scholarship for swimming in college, if you can't make the grades and get in, getting a full ride for swimming is going to be hard enough. But just getting into a program that's going to get you a scholarship, you're looking at a D2 school. And, uh, you know, fortunately for the D2 schools, that's all coming from grants. You know, it's from boosters. Uh, College of Charleston, for example, got rid of their swimming program a few years ago, but on the same yeah. day, they built a $20 million, or they're going to build a $20 million athletic building. So the money's there. They just don't want to spend it on swimming. And it's unfortunate because there's 
a ton, a ton of swimmers. Just here in Charleston, that can swim for the College of Charleston, but there's nothing offered. Um, so can you put you a know, finger on it? What, what, what's happened? Tennis, the same thing. I know exactly the tennis world. What we've done wrong? How we we've, we've just done a lot of we've made a lot of stupid mistakes. I, I don't want to say stupid. Is that politically incorrect? We've a lot of, made a lot of mistakes we shouldn't have. Well, what's happened in the swimming world? I mean, with 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 everything, and it's it's is it that expensive? Uh, what's what's the deal? What happened in swimming? Well, I mean, you know, Chuck, we've got Charles Charles has got a they've got an aquatic center. I mean, they got a place to swim. One of the sad things about swimming, if you're not coaching and your child isn't swimming in the event, swimming's a boring sport to watch. It's uh. And honestly, it, you know, you get in there, a meet can last, you know, some of these competitive meets go three days, and you're sitting in a hot, you just kind of get lost in the monotonous of swimming unless you're engaged and you understand, hey, you know, John Jones is going to swim a 100 fly here, and he might break the U.S. record. Well, 80% of the population wouldn't know what that means and probably wouldn't care. And but what, just okay, that. okay, you're talking about format. Now, they've addressed this in tennis, I think, in the wrong way. They're, they're, they've tried to address the spectator part of, uh, is it spectator appeal? I mean, you know, things like cross country don't have as much spectator appeal. Um, there are a lot of sports out there now. <clears throat> uh, I mean, what would you do if you were in charge of collegiate swimming, you know, coach ship? Keller's in charge of collegiate swimming and you want to make a revival, what would be the things you would look at? Well, what they've done um, uh, recently is they now have the Omega Pro Series in swimming. Um, but now these swimmers, when you go to college to swim, you know, I would say 99.9% of the swimmers who are in college, their main goal is, I want to get in the Olympics. Well, unfortunately, you're attaining, you're trying to attain a goal that's real high on the ladder. Um, but what they've done now is they have this Omega Pro Series. Well, these guys get paid. They're pro swimmers. Um, they made it, you know, a little more audience-fanatic with it. So you can where's go the money, to the series. Where's the money come from? Where's the money come from, Coach? Where's, oh, it's uh, off the sponsors. Sponsors, okay. TV. Same as, you know, what most sports are doing, you know, Omega's your biggest sponsor with it. So they'll grab as many sponsors as they can. These guys are making decent money. I mean, which we never had that pro series before. You know, when you get done swimming, you were done. You made your money at the Olympics, made your money off sponsorships, and made your money off commercials. And if you didn't make it that far, then you went to college, got your four-year degree, and moved on in life with what you wanted to the yeah, I, 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 I don't, I, you know, the thing that's aggravating in, uh, in our college world is that we we spend a lot of money on uh, the high-profile sports. And, folks, I'm not running down football and basketball. And look, those folks deserve what they get. They're under the pressure, all that. But it doesn't take that much. You know, I mean, the dropping of programs is, is to me, just an appalling thing. Uh, in, in whether it's high school, 
or anything. We've got it screwed up. There's a difference between the entertainment value and the educational value. It's always entertainment versus education, just like participation versus performance. People who are in charge just need to understand the difference between high school. And, and Coach, I, I'm very afraid when I see um, stuff getting dumbed down where the educational part is like, let's have fun. I, I can't stand that because it's not fun to be average. It's not fun to, you know, do – you, you want a sport to die? Just let's go have fun. That's what's happened to tennis. Let's just go have fun. Well, on. Go, go. well Coach in college, you know, and this has been over the last 10 years, it's big business. You know, it's, it's where to make our money. Football is your driver, and it's great. It's, I love football. I'll be the first one to tell you. But it financially drives these schools. That's why you have these conference jumpers jumping to bigger conferences, bigger payouts. They want more money. And, you know, you have somebody sitting in an office not looking at, you know, little Sally who wants to swim and, you know, the women's swimming program, men's swimming program, and they just say, hey, that's costing me 150000 a year. We don't need it. I can go build a weight room and bring in more talent and get us more money. And, uh, you know, and I understand that, believe me. I'm the first one that I get it. You know, you, you want to have TV, you want to have radio, you want to have everything that's paying these bills. And you want kids to come to a school that, hey, look, look at your facilities. And, you know, every school is expanding, and they're looking for the next big payout. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, you don't see the college swimming on unless you have the SEC network or, you know, they cover it very well. But after that, you know, the Omega Series, that's on CSNBC, but you just don't get a lot of it. And uh, it's the same with tennis. I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw a college tennis match on you television. Won't. You, you won't. And, you won't either. And that's, uh, a different ballgame completely. What they've done there, they've dumbed it down. They're they're picking away at the essence and the, the quality and the, the integrity of the sport, trying to streamline it to try to get a hook in people's mouths, and it's working just the opposite with tennis. Yes. But, that again, our leadership needs to look at some simple – Look, we both have individual sports with team that have that can become a team opportunity. They are not team sports; they're individual sports with team opportunities. In order to make them interesting at the high school or college level, I think those team opportunities need to be explored without dumbing down of the integrity of the sport or the essence of the sport itself. You know, so, um, yeah, it, it's really a, a frustrating thing. So, um, Coach, with with that, uh, do you see it turning around at all? I mean, do you think, uh, is there a movement at all to get some of the swim programs back or anything? Yeah, they, you know, I just uh, had a meeting with Fight for College at Salisbury, North Carolina. They actually dropped their women's program, and they just put it back into effect. So. That's just one example. Um, you know, just, it was an alumni homecoming. I just happened to be speaking with them, and 
you know, brought up swimming and told them I coached. And uh, they said, oh, that's great. We had dropped our women's program, but we brought it back. And, uh, you know, it was great to hear. You know, my daughter wants to get to college and swim somewhere. And, um, I'm sure there's 100,000 other girls or guys who want to go to college and continue swimming. Um, swimming is a great, great personal sport. It lets you realize that you have to attain your own goals. The things you do in everyday life, you know, and that's part of the way I coach is, you know, you, you set these goals for yourself, and you can set your goals the same way for individual sports, scholastics, whatever you want to do, but always use the, the three mini-goal rule to attain your goal. And then, uh, for example, you know, my daughter, she has three sets of goals, one for personal, one for school, and one for sports. And every term in school, we change those goals, and we write down if she attained them. And if she didn't, then we put three new mini goals in to figure out how to attain that goal. And uh, in swimming, you know, it's things these kids learn that they can take on and, A, pass down to kids when they get older, B, they're going to be successful. And uh, that's the main goal for me is, you know, coaching is I want you to be successful. If it's in swimming, that's phenomenal. If you leave swimming and go on to become a doctor because you use the tools that we taught you in swimming, that's great. You know, then I've, I've succeeded. And, uh, you know, if we can get these colleges to look at these kids and say, hey, you know, Mr. Jones graduated from here and he was a swimmer and now he's running for president, you know, it would turn some heads and say, oh, well, swimming, wow. Um, you know, same thing in tennis, but it the problem's going to be, you know, whether they see that. Um, I think with the Olympics, it's going to help out tremendously. I know the ratings were up for swimming. Um, a lot of people who I know who didn't even really know about swimming would ask me questions, what I thought, and what direction I was going to go for the Olympics, and, uh, you know, which made me feel good if they're already ready to watch it. So... I think the audience is there. It's a matter of, you know, some of these schools saying, hey, let's give 40 kids a chance to get an education and move on in swimming. And it's not a very expensive sport. The biggest price is going to be putting a pool in somewhere, and you can double utilize that pool. So. Uh, you know, uh, Coach, uh, anytime, you know, swimmers have automatic prestige, automatic clout, automatic presence, automatic charisma. I think, you know, any employer that looks at kids and they say, look, I've got eight years of swimming behind me, they go, whoa, wait a minute, this kid has three or 4,000 reps of getting up at 5.30 in the morning. This kid has thousands of hours of working towards a single goal. All of these things are just such great carryovers. Uh, and uh, I want to ask you we got about seven or eight minutes here. I want to ask you a couple quick things, and then I, toward the end I want, to, want you to give a three or four-minute instructional period to parents out there because, look, tennis parents, you're the same as swim parents. We want our kids to learn great things through the sport that they play in and to learn how to be tough enough for the world to come. But I, I want you to explain. Can you explain the long progression to be excellent, if you could, in a minute or two, 
just, okay, if you, so you, go swim, you go from summer swimming to saying, hey, I want to be good, to better meets, to trying to be on a high school team, to try to, you, you know, what would be your quick uh, recipe for success for, the, for kids, um, you know, if they wanted to be good in swimming? Um, that's, it's a long-term goal, Chuck, and, and the way I say that is you can't go to summer swim and come out and come to me and say, listen, I want to go to state and then nationals and zones and nationals, um, because the first thing I'm going to tell you is we got to set goals that are attainable. So why don't we start with we're going to swim year-round, and we're going to set our same thing. You're going to set your main goal and your three mini goals, and you're going to do that in three month to four month increments. Now, if you, you have long term, you have long term, and then you have intermediate and short term. Okay, go ahead. Correct. And uh, when you attain your goals, you stop right then. And I'll give you an example. If I'm coaching you, and you know you, you want to swim such and such time and, and these events, and we hit our goals in two of them, the next day at practice or after that practice, I'm going to tell you to go home, take those goals, and these kids have to keep their journals, meaning I tell you to buy a journal at the beginning and you set your goal. You turn a page and start your next goal and turn a page and start your next goal as soon as you achieve those. And you work progressively up. So you're not trying to grab something that's through the clouds. You know you can get there, and I know as a coach you can get there. You have to also dig deep. You have to do a gut check and say, I have to understand pain, and pain is not bad. Pain is good. And that right there, that little sentence in any sport is the separation from excellence to mediocre. If you that's understand that, that's pain, the difference between participation to being serious to pain and, and, again, the deferred gratification, and we're going to go to parents here in a second, but are you having a harder time with that nowadays, getting kids to understand? I hate to say buy-in, I don't like that, but to understand the importance yeah, of pain now, gain later? It, it's tough, but every kid is different. And from a coaching stance, you have to understand that. You, you have to be on different levels. Everybody has a different personality. And I use a lot of um, a lot of things in life. I'll talk to you about what you like and what you don't like. And I'll, I'll incorporate those things into swimming. So, again, it's, you can understand it through whether you play piano, you might do dance, you might do something else. That way you're thinking at all times on different levels, but at the same token, you're achieving the goals we've written down. Now, these kids keep these journals, and it's one of the greatest things in the world because I can ask you when you get down on yourself and you're like, I, I just can't do it, coach, I can't do it. I'll tell you the next day, bring your journal to the, to the swimming pool, and we'll sit down. We want to get in the pool, and I'll open that journal up. And you tell me you can't do it. Look how many times you did it. Just because we're on a new goal, you can do it. You just got to work a little bit harder. And those journals, and I don't care what sport you're doing. If you're doing tennis, football, baseball, basketball, you write those things down so you can go back to it and use it as a positive influence on your next goal. You can say, hey, I really did do it. And I remember when I wrote these down, I said I couldn't do it. And those kids immediately, when they see that and they read it and it's their handwriting and they wrote it, 
they're going to remember writing it. They're going to say, I remember saying I couldn't do it. It automatically puts them in a positive position to attain that next goal. And I can't stress that more. Whatever sport you're coaching, if your kids are involved in it, have them write their own journals, even if they're doing their personal stuff, grades, whatever. Write those journals down because it's a positive influence if they're moving in the right direction. And when they keep moving off the direction, if they're writing their stuff down, you can say, look where you dipped right here. And look back before where you did well. Use those that history to help progress and become the excellent person, whether it's sports, whatever you want to be in, but that is a positive influence in no matter what you do. Great. Now, Coach, two minutes. Talk to parents real quick. The helicopter parents really quick here because the same thing in tennis as in swimming, I am sure. But if they don't get out of your way, you've got to dumb down the coaching, don't they? I mean, they got to trust you, don't they, Coach? I mean, talk to the parents they do. for about two minutes. Give them a message. Um, for parents, if your kids are involved, again, and I'm going to use swimming, but this doesn't matter. It's any sport. One of the things when it comes, if I'm coaching you as an individual and working with kids individually, I ask the parents that please don't swim or play baseball or soccer or any sport. Don't use that sport. Don't swim through your kids. You'll have parents who didn't do very well in swimming or they quit and now their kids want to do it, and they see them through their kids. And you can't do that. You, you cannot swim through your kids. And you'll get parents who scream and nothing's good enough and push, and, you know, these kids eventually get burned out because of that. You have to be a parent to, to understand your child has checked out. They're just done. And my daughter did it this year, and I told her, I said, one thing you're not going to do is quit in your season. You're going to finish your season. But when you get done, take your swim gear, put it in the closet for a month, month and a half, and forget about it. So fulfill your obligation to the team and to other people, but then get out of it. Don't you, You've got to have your head there and your heart there, not your body there. Correct. You cannot swim. You know, a lot of these kids, and they know they're swimming through their parents, you know, um, they just they get up and do the work because mom and dad are going to yell at them. And uh, I, I yeah, have parents. Yeah. And, and I also, parents out there, listen, parents out there, again, coach can just say, hey, you want country club or summer swim coaching or do you want real, real, real coaching? And coach, we only got yeah. a, a second there. Go, I, I, coach, I'm, I'm sorry we got to go here in a second. Hang on, I want to thank you. Made in America, born in a heartland, raised up a family, a King James and Uncle Sam. He's got the red, white, blue, fine high on the farm, Semper Fi tattooed on his left arm, spent a little more in the store for a tag in the back of his
very much for being on today. We really appreciate you being on American Tennis. And Thanks, Coach. Coach I appreciate it. All right. And, folks, we want to remind you that you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. And we'll see you next week on American Tennis. This is Coach Chuck. Opinions Reed. stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.